Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Looked at the uh, livestock markets as of late. We're going to talk about what's been happening. We saw some expanded limits in, in the hogs, but these cattle markets are people getting a little too bearish in the trade. We saw a low week on the cash cattle. What does this mean in the near future? And then, of course, we know that China's had their fingers in the pot when it comes to not only the livestock side, but the grain side as well. We had a WASDI and an acre report that came out. So lots of stuff to talk about as we wrap up the trade week as Brad Coima joins us with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. Let's start out with this cattle market. Our low week, the cash cattle, it was kind of odd to see a cattle market take till midweek plus to be able to see any sort of movement. Well, yeah, and well, first of all, yes, thanks for having me on. And, and to answer your cattle question, you know, I, I suppose we should go low week question mark. Um, you know, uh, this is the lowest that the cash has been in a while. Um, and, you know, when we traded some cash cattle, I thought midweek uh, at a dollar, I was like going, really, huh? Uh, I, the futures are, you know, plus four to five dollar basis. Um, and I just felt like I was surprised that the packer was able to uh, find a willing uh, participant to trade cash cattle that poorly. Um, I mean, a dollar. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, so I, for fun, I pulled up a bunch of long-term stuff here uh, this week. And I, I don't have to tell most people, but I will remind you that, you know, to trade cash cattle below a dollar takes a pretty significant and uh, event and is is very 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 unusual in fact the last 10 years it's only happened three times um covid the fire and then when we were you know dealing with the throes of that backlog of cattle that we had in 2016 um i um i i feel like the market has got great potential from here i'm happy that the cash market is beginning to firm even while we speak you know, there's some places getting 102 now in the south. Uh, I think that this is going to mark the low cash week, uh, and hopefully we can start to build on this next week with a little better trade. The packer still has got incredible margins. Um, yeah, box beef always sells off some this time of year. So what? Uh, it can sell off a lot, and they still have big margins. So I, I, I'm hoping we're going to turn the corner, and next week when we're talking, we can talk about how smart we were that maybe the market's finally starting to turn. Are we going to get that bearish feel, though? Or are people just too bearish in this cattle market at this point? Well, you know, I, of course, I sit on this side of the phone, and, you know, I, I understand the sentiment. I'm a cattle feeder, too. And we have been beat up. And you lose your mojo, you know. I mean, when you obviously two two black swan events in, in a twelve month period, an extended period with nothing but red ink, um, and then you turn around, and you go like, really, I got to sell cattle for a dollar, and then I'm supposed to buy back feeder cattle at break even at a dollar fifteen? What's up with that? You know. So I mean, they're they're they're. The discouragement is easy to understand, and usually that discouragement then you know just kind of translates into a um, a negative type of a psychology. So. Um, you know, there used to be whole trading systems that were built on what they called contrary opinion. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really felt that way. There was an element of that in the grain markets, too, which we can talk about lately, where you know, the market keeps rallying, much to most people's disbelief that, that they're ever going to rally again. Uh, so uh, I think that the crowd's a little too bearish cattle, as I referenced earlier, how it's unusual it is for cash to be at uh, below a dollar. Um, 
and, and I, I just feel like that now that we've got show lists in Texas and Kansas this week, we're both below a year ago. That's the first time that's happened since COVID. I believe that you've caught up with that backlog of cattle. Now, perhaps the market can shift its focus to the fact that February, March, April, May placements, about 1.2 million less cattle than a year ago. So there's, I think there's some reason to have some hope, Susan. Well, looking at uh, those export reports, I think was it 36 or 37 percent up from the previous week uh, on cattle exports. So that's at least some some positives. Short term, yes. Long term, our our, our our export news is not quite that rosy. Uh, not on the beef. It's uh, a different story in the pork. It's good there. Um, the beef we've had a second month in a row now where we've actually been a net importer which is, you know, makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Of course, you know, you're going like, seriously, just for importing. I mean, a lot of that's that cheap grinding stuff, uh, but it still seems to be uh, inappropriate to me uh, that, we're, that we have that much import. So beef <clears throat> uh, exports have been uh, a little off the last two months, but I say that, uh, but I also would want to make sure everybody understands that our overall demand for beef is great. Look at where we're at from the standpoint of where the boxes are and where the choice select spread is. This week, most of the week, choice select spread was around $15. Uh, and we've got all these long-fed cattle. We've got a record high grade percentage because these cattle have been on feed a long time. So we've got a lot of high choice and prime. And yet, we still carry this big premium in the choice. That would tell me that the demand for good choice, good old U.S. beef, is very, very good. These hogs... Who would have thunk just even a week ago that we would see limit up action and even day two of the trading go past the, you know, and continue to push higher? You got to love them, don't you? Um, when they finally do take off, uh, they take no prisoners. Um, you know, obviously the catalyst this last week was the news that uh, they had found a positive uh, boar in Germany uh, with African swine fever. <clears throat> so then you started to get the list of countries that stopped are going to ban imports from that area or from that country uh, and that was the the real uh, reason for the for the movement um, and part of the problem there is too of course you're at such a cheap price that the market goes up a lot easier than it would otherwise so I, I guess I think it's a huge relief uh, we're back now um, December hogs to exactly where we were before we fell out of bed because of COVID, back to where we were in the first week of March. Uh, I would suppose that the, the the going will get a little tougher from here. Um, and if I was a hog hedger, I would start to pay attention. Um, I, I'm not sure that uh, one wild boar in Germany is indeed a game changer. We've got a lot more coming up. We'll take a look at the grain side of the trade action on the Fontenelle Final Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. We're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff as Brad Coima continues to join us with Coima, Coima, and Varlick. And we look at the uh, USDA reports that came up on the radar. Of course, a lot of folks were preparing for the WASD. Looking at it, did you see any surprises? Nothing really major, actually, Susan, and that's, <clears throat> I think, just as well. Um I hate those, um, you know, where they just, and, and especially when they come out during the trading session, which for the 19th time is a terrible idea. I keep petitioning the USDA and the and the CME to change that. Um, I don't know why we can't have it come out either before the market opens or after it's closed. Anyway, uh, you know, really, um, 
we we did see a pretty good reduction in the corn yield, but it was within line of what the expectation was. It comes in at 178.5, almost three bushels less than the last report, but they were guessing it at 178.3, so it's in the ballpark. Bean yield, very, very close to 51.9 against a guess of 51.8 bushels per acre, right? And that's that's the driver, you know, that's the uh, what runs that whole report, you know, based on the overall supply. Uh, changed acres only slightly uh, on the uh, corn acres. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I guess picking apart the report a little bit, I I guess we, let's talk about the report generally. So you're talking about a supply report that I believe uh, the market is not necessarily dialed in or focused on the supply. I believe the market cares about the demand. And uh, the demand can be summarized in one word, and that is China. And uh, I, I told a number of customers this week um, that I distinctly recall uh, the year that China had the Olympics, and we had all kinds of hogs, and hogs started to go higher because China was starting to buy some, and we just kept going higher and higher and exceeded my expectations by a long ways. And I remember thinking the lesson for me to learn was that if you've got some major player like that, like a China particularly, uh, involved on the, on, on the, you know, a, a shift in their buying pattern, they don't stand there and argue with it. Um, and so that's how I feel. Uh, I, I know that there's a big carry out of corn. I know that we're not going to run out of beans just yet. Uh, but I thought we had just tremendously positive action this week, Susan. Well, you look at that, and as as you get a chance to digest those numbers over the weekend, will the attitude of the markets change at all come Monday? You know, as a broker, I'm, I'm you know, you 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 get vested in the in the in the customer attitude, um, and this. Maybe it's because of what happened last year. You know, last year there was the public was pretty enthused because of the, the the delayed or prevented or planted you know acres that we thought we were certain of, uh, and 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 so there's some enthusiasm on the long side of the market that way. And then of course we just got pillaged, you know, because the market never rallied, and and when it did rally, all it was was a basis rally, so the futures didn't come along. So maybe that long speculator is like going like, yeah, whatever, I'm sick of it, I'm not, I'm not gonna join the party again um but I, I i've been surprised and i suppose i shouldn't be it's five years of low prices and so i think that there again a little bit like we talked about in that first segment where you got a, a producer that's pretty discouraged and uh, you know almost to the point where well, i guess that you know i guess i have to get used to the idea that you know 360 corn is really high which it isn't historically uh you know a chance to sell cash beans at nine dollars is really high um so I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't sell a few beans at a profitable level. You probably ought to. Uh, but to say that this market is, you know, in nosebleed territory and this feels super high, that's not quite accurate either. Acre report. That came out as well. Kind of a double whammy on reports. Yeah, and I didn't know if there was anything terribly dramatic there. Some of us Iwegians here, people from Iowa, that were wondering whether or not there would be a chance that we might see uh, some uh, reconciling of uh, the windstorm, um, or maybe if we'd see a significant yield change because of a the windstorm and the drought in western Iowa, uh, where both of us were a little bit lacking. They took what five hundred thousand acres down, or something, or yeah, half right total on the whole deal, not just Iowa total. Uh, and then they did lower the Iowa yield by eleven bushels, still thinking it's going to average one ninety one for the state, which. For a lot of us here, that 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 looks to me to be optimistic. Um, but I guess I've 
learn to not argue with the USDA numbers. So uh, I'm kind of of the view, Susan, that there's a little left in the tank here. Uh, taking out 363 is important technically. Uh, next level, I think, is around 385 on December corn. I think we have a shot at getting to that level. And I think the new crop November beans have a chance to trade someplace in that 1030 to 1040 level. Now, that area would have me quite interested in, in doing some marketing. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, we, we get a little start here, and then let's see if we can't don't get full potential uh, back to there. All right, sounds good, Brad. Best way for folks to get a hold of you? Hey, they can call us here at uh, 800-358. 3047. Thanks again. Thank you. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss that are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. You can check this out as a podcast at ruralradio.com, wherever you subscribe for your podcast and on Spotify as well. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.